Like it all comes to the surface. Eventually you can run from your problems or your, you know, the things that are not working as much as you want, but eventually you have to face it head on or the same thing just keeps showing up over and over again. What's up and welcome to the very best self podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown, and today I have Jason Tardick on the podcast. When I tell you I was excited for this interview, you guys also was like super nervous. Like my palms were sweating. I was like so nervous. I don't even know why, but like, I think it's because I'm a super like fan of, uh, his fiance, Caitlin Bristow. Uh, but so he got his start on the bachelorette as a contestant on the show. He was a guy who worked in finance, uh, you know, had an MBA in finance or business and, you know, found a lot of success in that world. But since then, and his career post the bachelor is really why I wanted to have him on the podcast. You know, he's opened up, he has a book called the restart roadmap and it's so how to rewire and reset your career, because that's kind of exactly what he did. Um, You know, through a series of events that happened, he was no longer in the finance world as he was before he went on the show. So his life kind of got turned upside down and he kind of shares in the restart roadmap, how to rewire your life, how to restart. And so I wanted to dive into that. And then from there, he also, you know, he interviews countless, highly successful people on his podcast called Trading Secrets, which is a top 25 business podcast, by the way. Uh, And so I kind of wanted to peel back the layers on, you know, some of those interviews and what kind of stuck out the most uh, to him that he learned throughout this process thus far. And then lastly, uh, of course, I wanted to ask him a little bit about his relationship with Caitlin. And so we dived into that just a little bit, um, but super down to earth guy and really awesome episode. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. All right. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast, you guys. I'm so freaking excited because I have Jason Tardick on the pod today. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So if you are not familiar with who Jason Tardick is, um, so I guess you kind of burst onto the scene in the Bachelor, Bachelor Nation world. Um, but you've done like just so many other things since then. And kind of the other things are probably more of what we'll talk about today. Um, but you are a best-selling author of the Restart Roadmap, How to Rewire and Reset Your Career. You have a top 25 business podcast called Trading Secrets, where you interview highly successful people and you kind of get to the bottom of the elusive how um, behind getting to where people are and how they got there. So you're peeling back curtains, you are unlocking vaults, and you're taking your listeners on the ride on that journey with you. Right on. Exactly. Well, that's such a nice, nice intro. Yeah. Um, so I guess the quick we I get for people who don't know who you are, let's get like the super quick kind of rundown of so you were working in finance and how did you end up on The Bachelor, which, which kickstarted all of this? Right. So I could do like a 45 minute dialogue on this. I'm going to knock it down I'm in like sure. less than 60 seconds. Okay. <laughs> 
Grew up in Buffalo, New York, hockey, soccer player, played soccer in college, was like the corporate banking guy. Tell me where to go. I'll go. Only one way to find success, climbing up the ladder, being the yes man. So I was that. Worked in corporate banking for 10 years, relocated five times, got promoted seven times in the 10 years. I was that guy. Like where to go? I'll be there. Got my MBA in accounting and finance. And essentially, um, if we're making a long story short, just completely burned out. My last move was New York to Seattle. And then when I was in Seattle, knowing no one, chasing the dollar and the titles, I got a call from ABC The Bachelorette to go on the show. And so I took a leap of faith for the first time in my life. I went against kind of this blueprint that I found to be uh, what people define as success. And I went on a dating show. Like it's like I took a sabbatical in dating. Everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? Well, as a result of that, created a social media platform. And from that platform, I now do career consulting. We have a top podcast, book number one's out, another book's coming out. I've invested in a lot of consumer package companies that you see online uh, and run a talent agency amongst a couple other things. And truly, as a result of taking the leap of faith, it's changed my life in every way professionally, personally, too. I got engaged to a former bachelorette, uh, Caitlin Bristow, and Ooh. now live in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Crazy, crazy, crazy how <laughs> all of that unfolded. So you didn't apply for the show? They just randomly found you? Well, so the the deeper story with that is I was in Rochester, New York. That's where I was working at the time. And they did this thing called, um, it was called the the um, Gilda's Club Bachelor Auction. Gilda Radner died of ovarian cancer. They do a non-for-profit for her to raise money for families undergoing uh, cancer treatment. And so how they did this event is they picked 30 guys all over the New York area, all different ages and backgrounds. And they do like a big promotion leading up to it. And essentially what you're doing is you're raffling yourself off for a date. Well, you raise money before the show. And then at the show, you come out to like a funny dance. And then people are like, it's like a black tie. People are in tuxes, but it's like goofy. And they have a paddle and they're bidding on you to go on a date with you. And when they bid on you and they win, yeah, they get a date, but they get a whole basket of other goods. The whole idea is the money from that all goes to charity. And so I came out to old time and rock and roll. I was like hustling the stage. I was stripping. I was doing crazy shit. (laughs) Of the 30 guys I raised, the most money that night, but it was, I've been told it was that video. So it was March of 2017 that got submitted to them from the one of two, 3000 people there. And then it was October of the net of that year. So I didn't even live in New York anymore. And I got a random phone call on a Sunday. It was a voicemail. I called my best buddy. I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this call. I got, I honestly think it's a prank. Swear to God. He said, wait, I've been meaning to tell you, I, I didn't think you would like I have something to tell you. We tell each other, we both got calls that day. He was in the bachelor auction too. So we both go through the process. I end up making it in the top 50, but he ends up coming on the show because there was a, uh, there was a episode where the bachelorette surprised me with my best buddies and he was one of the guys. So that's, that's the full story. Wow. That is wild. That's actually so crazy. I don't know. Like, is that story out there? I mean, I don't, I haven't like Googled, like, I don't know like everything about you, but like, I feel yeah, like I've, I've shared that. it on a couple podcasts, but like not, not all the like detail and stuff like that. I think right when I came off the show, so that was 2018 That's people cool. like, really, like, I think I told like, you know, Ryan Seacrest and, and, and Tanya Ford or Tanya. Rass. Just me and Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Well, I went on their show, the Ryan Seacrest and Tanya yeah. And like there was a, they probably had a playbook for that interview, but it went down a wild different road. And As it does. one of the big topics was like, he's like, why are you on this show? Like, it doesn't seem like you would be on this show. Why are you? Yeah. Well, I think that's really cool. It's like very serendipitous. Uh, 
but it sounds like, so the, the bath being on the show kind of like veered you off course a little bit, but as far as I understand it, you came right back to the course, like right after the show, you went right back into finance, working your corporate job. Is that right? Yeah. So I wouldn't even say a little bit, it veered me off course dramatically. Like, like what you're doing? What? So it's funny enough in the book, the restart roadmap, I actually have the exact memo I sent to my boss to try and convince them to allow me to go on the show while keeping my job and then uh, using paid time off. And it's a whole funny ass memo. I mean, it's hilarious. The whole thing's in the book. It goes all the way to the entire head of the entire bank. So my boss didn't want to touch it. His boss didn't want it. It goes all and the guy's like, yeah, I know that kid. He's been a nice kid. Like I remember I met him a few times. Let him go. Then the director of HR storms into his office and was like, do you know what you just signed off on? And long story short, there was some back and forth, but they said, go. But recognize that there's a risk in this. And if you create any type of reputational issues for our bank, um, there could be action taken. Sure, I go. I go, I come back and I start working right away. And so there was probably like a two, two month gap or so from starting to work till like the episodes really started airing, that there was really not much noise, just a little distraction. And then once it started airing and the season, you know, had some pretty decent ratings, that's when shit got weird. But yeah, I went right back to work. Yeah. And so uh, from Googling on the interwebs, um, I know that for me, I feel like, and probably you see it this way too, but you know, serendipity was, I feel like also at play. So you end up getting eventually fired from your corporate job, um, because you have a ball buster of a fiance, uh, <laughs> which I am so obsessed with her. I love her so much, um, from what I see on the outside anyways. Uh, and so she has no filter, which is why people love her so much, I think, um, or why I do. Uh, so she has no filter. She shares a little bit about your private, your personal private life, and you end up losing your corporate job. So what was that like rock bottom moment like? And did it did that become like the worst, best thing that ever happened? Yeah. So all those things you said about my fiance are bang on. <laughs> um, I think the uh, the big thing is, is for the year that I went back, I started to recognize how much you can monetize off this stuff. So every weekend I was going to like do a speaking event or they would have appearances at bars. Like I was hustling all this side hustle because before I went on the show, I really did not like Seattle. I did not like where I was at in life. And before I went on the show, I had a two-year plan because I got this big signing bonus and all this stuff to go out there, but I had to stay for two years. So my goal was stay for two years. Well, then once I got off the show, all this stuff started happening. I'm like, oh man, I might be able to accelerate this or I might be able to save a lot more money. So I was going full speed. My plan was to inevitably leave uh, the bank. Uh, I think that event happened sooner than I expected to leave the bank. And it was kind of a punch to the gut because even while on the show, I still all those people who told me I was crazy for going on, I still had all their approval because things on the show went great. And this, and yeah, there's trolls and there's some hate and stuff like that. But in general, it went pretty well. This was like the first time that like publicly something happened where like my family was extremely disappointed in me. My job fired me. My grandfather was like, like I've never had him be like, what the hell are you doing? And so it was this first time, like all the things started, all the people that told me not to go, there's repercussions were like, here's your repercussion. And um, it was a big kind of like punch to the gut. 
but right. the restart roadmap, like everything I built is based on the whole premise of restarting. Cause whether it's something like that or something small, every day we stop, start, and we must know how to restart. And so for me, that restart was the best thing I ever did. And I'll, I'll never forget this when I was sitting in the, the board of directors with these executives that flew in, um, they did give me a chance to come back. They essentially said, you can restart your career here. And when you restart here, no social media, no more side hustle, no more running to do all this stuff that we hear about, no more media stuff, focus on your job, nothing else. But if you want to go restart all the stuff you're doing outside and restart your career, and they kept using the word restart, that's what you can do, but it's a decision you have to make. So they gave me an ultimatum and I ended up uh, leaving my job and restarting my career outside. Wow. It's that gut feeling I feel like you get where you're just like, man, I know what I'm supposed to do by society standards, but like, you just know, like what you're also, what you, what you have to do, what's right for you. For sure. And I think what's interesting is like, you have your intuition, you have your gut. And in the book, I talk a lot about it, but for most of my twenties, I knew I was not in the right profession. I knew I was not in the right place. And then it started taking like a huge toll on me mentally. But what I kept doing instead of addressing it was compartmentalizing it. Nope, got to do it. This is the way you've always seen it your whole life. This is how you make some money. This is how you are respected in your community. This is how to grow into leadership, fighting through it. The biggest issue is I just kept not listening to myself. I kept pushing my intuition until it eventually completely cracked. And for anyone listening out there, like if you find that you continue to like compartmentalize or throw in a closet and tuck it away, it will come back to you and you will crack in some form, physically, personally, happiness, financially. You cannot continue to push and shove and not listen because you will too break. It's just a matter of what. Yeah. Like it all comes to the surface eventually. You can run 100%. from your problems or your you know, the things that are not working as much as you want, but eventually you have to face it head on or yeah. the same thing just keeps showing up over and over again. And I know that in your book, you kind of open up about how you had panic attacks at work, mm -hmm. which I love that you opened up about that. I mean, I know that's what the book is all about, like how to re restart and and kind of, but it's it's not really like, it's still taboo for men to talk about the fact that they had a panic attack at work. And like you said, you were promoted so many times and you were climbing this ladder and you were doing really well. So all of this outwardly success would lead anyone to believe that like you love what you do, that you're really good at what you do, that everything is going really, really well for you when inside you have this tornado that's that's brewing. Um, and I think people just ignore that. Yeah, 100%. And that's all I kept doing. And all I cared about was what other people thought is as opposed to what I thought. And I do agree with what you said. Even like, I think it's even gender neutral, but especially in banking, it's such a male dominated industry right now. And that's changing for the good. But like the whole gotta be strong, gotta crush the meeting, all this stuff. If I showed any of those colors, if I exposed any of that stuff I was going through, I know for sure, without a doubt, it would have had such an impact on the subjective factor that decides success. So there's so many subjective inputs that determine whether your boss will promote you or that your boss's boss is impressed by you. And so the fact that I was rewarded for hiding all these weaknesses only gave me more incentive to continue to hide. And that's right. what's really uh, sad, honestly. Yeah. I think it's also a lesson in like 
always taking these leaps of faith and like knowing that like things that show up in our path, you know, they're not, they're not really accidents. Right. And I don't know. I just think of that because I don't know. What do you do think that if you never went on the show that you would still be working in banking and down the same path that you were? I see. I had a plan after, before I went on the show, I grew up with a buddy who became very well known in the NFL space. And I got to see like all these agents around him and I'm like, damn, that's cool. So being already on the West coast, I was thinking maybe I'd move to LA and try to be like a, a sports agent. So I knew that I needed a path out. That's for sure. Okay. Um, but I just, a matter of like what the path was going to be and, and how I was going to get there. And I think one of the big things is that like complacency will totally, totally lead you to, to to be reluctant to change, but it's change that will really drive totally different levels in your life. And I do remember I asked that I, one time I was like 23 and I got to sit down with the CEO of the bank at the time. You know, this guy's making millions and millions of dollars. He was in his 40s, high 40s. I was like, dude, how, like, give me one piece of advice for managing my career. And this actually stuck with me. And I think it's, it's there's a lot that comes with this is, Every opportunity, every door, every meeting, every job, imagine it like it's a it's a launch pad, like you're in a rocket ship, and then you will land at that meeting and that job and that interview and that position. And there's something you can take from that that will bring you to the next launch pad and the next place. And then from there, you'll go over here. From here, you'll go over here. The problem is so many people don't know how to launch when those doors open. So you'll be in this rocket ship and you'll have that meeting. And this meeting or this job or this title or this education or certification could lead to a hundred amazing things for you. The problem is people are too afraid to hit the send button. They're too afraid to go and take a shot, just like I was too afraid to go on The Bachelorette. And that whole journey changed my life upside down. Wow. That that, that makes me think about uh, the greatest statistic I feel like I, of all time that I've ever heard, which is that, uh, I hope I get it right, but the person who missed the most shots in the history of basketball is Kobe Bryant. Yes, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, like the most successful guy, some would argue, to ever play the sport, the goat, the greatest of all time, missed more baskets and failed more than any other player who's ever done it. Totally, so, it's like the Wayne the Wayne Gretzky line too: "Best hockey player ever played." You miss a hundred shots. Of the, uh, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. And so many people are so fearful, like myself, like I was, of everyone else's opinion, of everyone's feedback, of everyone else's direction, that they just don't take shots. And that's a crazy thing. Like when you step back from the madness in your life, and like you just think about like you're on an airplane looking down, like we just look like a little ants, and then you just look at the numbers, like remove the emotion. On average, it's like a little morbid, but in the United States, we're living till seventy four. I talk about this a little bit in the book too. You're you're adulting for 18 of those years. So on average, you're living till 56 as an adult. And like you get 56 years to figure it out as as an adult. Then you think about retirement. So it's 10 years earlier. So you get like 40 something years on average to like, what are you going to do in your life professionally? Like, why are we so worried about everyone else's thoughts and, and like dreams or what their, their expectations? My dog, like we are so lucky for this. Love dogs, huge dog guy. But growing up, my dog lived till 17. Like what an amazing life, but like literally, so on average, I get a professional career. If we can, if we like really connected to my dog two times, my dog's life. And I'm sitting here worried about what everyone else fucking thinks. Like why, you know, what? so I'll step into it. Take advantage of it because time's ticking. Yeah. I mean, I, it's so crazy because it actually came up 
I think on my, my, my most recent podcast interview that I did, but, and so whatever, I'll just bring it up again because it's on, I, I feel like this school of thought, I feel like Caitlin also has, but it feels like you kind of like instill that in her too, as like you guys are a good partnership because I'm going to tell you what, I have never been more inspired by anyone than when she just dropped a country song out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like this fucking girl. Like she is incredible, like to go on Dance with the Stars and then win that. And then to be like, just how she like peeled back so many layers for women when she was on the show of just being like, no, I can do this and I can do that. And I can do like, be who exactly who I am. And like, so what? Sorry. Like, and not even sorry, because I don't even think she ever, she's not like, she doesn't apologize, you know, but like, I feel like that's kind of like the same school of thought. Like she was how old when she dropped that, that song? Um, so it was, so if, so her first song was, if I'm being honest and it's great and it's a great song. And she, you know, I think, I think just like a little, like learning lesson behind the scenes, she talks about this, but like she had that recorded for a while. She had those lyrics written for a while. She was so like nervous to drop it. Cause she's like, I'm not a singer. I'm like, and we're all like her manager and everyone's like, this is unbelievable. It. Put it out there. She's like, yeah, you know what? That's what I preach. That's what I'm going to practice. Put it out there. And then she put it out there in the first week, I think like it stood up there for like four or five days in like number one, number two downloads. It was like yeah. next to like Justin Bieber and stuff. Now, you know, after a week or so, all that kind of washed away. But still, she could be like, for that week, I was charting with Justin Bieber and she didn't want to do it. And look what happened. So, yeah, I mean, that's just like a true testament to just like live your life. Do do the things that you want to do, because like you said, I mean, and broke it down in such an eloquent way of like how many years we actually have as adults to like do this thing called life, you know? I think try new shit too. Like yeah. just because I think what happens is you go through your, it's so wild and this is goes into therapy and everything, but how much of an impact your childhood has on the way you direct and navigate your life. And so like, you know, I play soccer and hockey my whole life. So what do I do now? I still play soccer and hockey on the weekdays, but like, why don't I try other stuff? So the other day I got asked to do jujitsu. I can't even spell jujitsu. And I was like, Sure. But like, it's amazing. Like I did it. I learned so much about that community. And I started learning about all these other people that do it. Self-defense of it. I'm following new accounts. I have new friends. Like it's crazy. If you just take a shot at like a dumb little hobby, no matter what age you are, how it could change the trajectory of like everything, like your personal life, maybe who you end up dating, where you end up living. Maybe there's a career behind that hobby. Like there's so many aspects of that. Right. And so that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, for anyone out there who wants to restart, they want to restart their career, but they don't know what the first step is, or, you know, where do you think people should start? I feel like you've already given so many tips, but... Yeah. The, I mean, the first step to restarting your career, like if you feel it, it depends, and I talk about this in the book, it, the, you have to really identify what the issue is. And there's one of five issues. And so those are all outlined in the book. But just for the purpose of a quick tip, let's just say it's like, you know, that you're in the wrong industry, you're not doing something you love. The first step there is like, take a step back, start journaling, start writing down, like, what is it that you do love? What is it that you get really excited about? What is it like on the weekends with your free time that you want to do? And behind all those things are billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in massive industries where you can work. That's kind of what I did with the agent thing. I was like, listen, I can't be a pro athlete. Kind of what I like to in my day. Can't. But I know business. So imagine if I could do business and represent the people I always wanted to be. Cool. Or think about a store that you always shop at. Well, behind that store, there's a million different jobs. Or 
The other night, we almost went to the Predators game. I was so looking forward to the Predators game. Do you know how many jobs there are in the NHL and behind hockey? I love the sports bet here and there. Do you know how many jobs are in that space? So think about the things you love to do and then take your natural skill set and some of the transferable skill sets you've acquired over the years. And I promise you, there's a way to package up your resume and your job package to find an opportunity like that. There's someone who I have a, a trading secrets all access group where we like network with one another. And I think this is a big thing too, making sure you put it out there. You put your message out there. First, you got to identify it, then putting it out there. There was a girl there that's like, listen, I'm just going to be straight up with you. My dream is to work for Caitlin. I was like, wow, okay. Uh, how would I have known that if she didn't say it? I wouldn't have. Well, what do you know? Two months later, her team's hiring. They need someone good. They, they start saying the things they're looking for. And the first thing I thought about was that comment she made because she put it out there. And so I said, hey, you know what? Let me get her information. She might be a really good fit. Got connected. <laughs> She's like Caitlin. She is Caitlin's producer for a podcast. She meets wow. every day with Caitlin about who's the next guest and what they're going to do and writing it up. You know, fast forward a year later, you know, she's living that dream. So until you commute, first we have, you have to identify it and then you got to put it out there so people can help you. Right. I always say that you have to talk about it. You have to tell as many people as you possibly can. And, and that's like big dreams, little dreams, and like whatever your aspirations are. And I say that too, because like today, even like I teach soul cycle, right? So I'm teaching to 65 people this morning and it's this girl's birthday. And I always ask people the same question on their birthday. I'm like, happy birthday. Da, da. And I'm like, where are you going to dinner tonight? Because I love to know. I'm deeply obsessed with knowing where people are going for, for their <laughs> birthday dinner because you, you eat your favorite meal on your birthday. And I want to yeah. know what that meal is. And so then I ended up telling a story about how my birthday is in one month. And I was like, guys, I logged on like every day to try and get the Friday night before my birthday, the Saturday night before my birthday, the Sunday before my birthday, the Monday before my birthday at Carbone. Didn't get in, couldn't get a reservation. Like I need spicy rigatoni on my birthday. This is not a want, <laughs> this is a need. Okay. So of course, what happens after class? Not one, but two people come up to me and they're like, oh, I can get you a res. See, that's it. You got to put it out there. How good was that meal, yeah. by the way? Oh, uh, It's the best. And this is your salad and the bread that oh. comes out. Forget about it. Salivating, thinking about it. Oh, yeah. so good. The little tomato and like thick bread. Oh, God. Yep. So good. It's, it's oh. the best. Maybe the they'll best. have, uh, maybe they'll have Carbone in uh, Nashville one day. One day. One day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that's a true, it's just a very small example, but I always say that to people, like you have to speak things into existence because you never know when it's like your childhood best friend, someone you see all of the time, someone who's like literally right under your nose actually is the missing link to get to the place that you want to be or the thing that you want to do or the, the, the one missing puzzle piece and someone yeah. can connect you. But if you don't and say it out loud. Just, and even in general, like good people really feel good about helping good people. And if anyone doesn't believe that, like think about, you know, just like, I don't know, I think about sports, like being a senior and there's a freshman coming. There's like, you know, 12 freshmen, 11, 11 of them are assholes. One of them, like, that's a good dude right there. Help that guy out, right? Or mentors at work, they want to help out. Or even like, you know, like your kids, like maybe you have, uh, you know, you have your friend's kids or you're an aunt or uncle, like you just have a natural, good people, the natural inclination to want to help people. And so how can people help you or maybe help you fulfill your goals if they have no fucking clue what you want? Like right. you have to be able to first identify it and then get it out there to as many people as you want and feel no shame in asking for it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, okay. So with your podcast, top 25 business podcast, you are interviewing people who are like, have reached massive, massive levels of success. And they're talking about, you know, how they run their businesses, what unique things that steps that they took and, you know, how they got to where they are. So I'm wondering like, what was, was there like a giant aha moment where someone shared one of their trading secrets with you that you were just like, whoa, that blew your mind. And like that you've applied to your business or in helping Caitlin with her business, her multiple businesses. I mean, there's been like a million, like that. It's like the the trading secrets from these people. I'm always like so blown away. And a lot of my whole near and dear to my heart, actually, this is a monopoly board behind me. And every piece is a trading secret from the person and then their name underneath it. And so I keep it here because there are just so many. But if I like look at this board and I think about one that has stuck with me the greatest, it's the uh, Gamifying Your Happiness with Rob Deerdeck. That was an episode. So Rob Deerdeck from, if you guys know, like Robin Big, MTV, Host Ridiculousness. He's like Uh, a super inspiring guy, actually, isn't he? He is. First of all, he's fucking brilliant. The guy is so smart. Um, But essentially what he's been able to do is say... It's not the fame. It's not the money. It's literally my happiness that's driving my success. So what is my happiness? And he did this whole, he's very analytical. So I'm not saying replicate this, but I'm saying uh, it's impressive. He did this, you know, all these consultants come in on all the companies invest in and they optimize them. So what does that mean? They make them efficient. You spend less. It operates quicker, better. He's like, why can't I do that with my life? So the consultants were like, "Uh, no one's ever asked us that. So the same Excel files and process they go for his businesses, they went to him and they started asking him like, okay, like drilling down to what makes him happy. Talked about the connectivity to his kids, the connectivity to his wife, his physical wealth, his output at work, all these stuff. They start analyzing it. He starts to notice, and he's like doing this in Excel every day for seven years now. He starts to notice that when he's drinking and when he's filming, it's creating more disruption in his life. He's less connected to his wife. He's less connected to his kids. His anxiety is up. His stress is up. And all these factors happen. And so how did he find this information out? He had his wife every day send him a score, one through 10, to the 10th decimal, like 6.2. How connected are you with me? And then he started changing his life to drive up his overall happiness. So now, while he's always on MTV, he only films 4% of his year. And he batches it. So when he's gone, he will film for 12 hours a day. And so he's gone less and he's his happiness up. He drinks a lot less, works out more. Like he, so he does this still to the state, puts all these inputs of how he can increase his happiness score. It's even more sophisticated than that. But if you listen to that episode, it'll blow you away, especially towards the end. The takeaway I have for people out there, just do, just do one score. One through 10, how truly happy are you? And just put it down every day, one through 10, one through 10, one through 10. And then start to understand the inputs of why that score is going up. And just bringing more attention to how you can increase that overall happiness score. Because when that score is up, it impacts everything. And the success rate, excuse me, the success rate of everything. I'm having sparkling water here, so I'm perfect. The success rate of your finances, your personal life, and your work life all will increase when you gamify your happiness. And so that's his trading secret. Wow. Is, has he written a book? It's literally, I said the same thing. I go, have you written a book? And he's like, no, but I'm working on it. And then the other thing too, is the podcast ended. And I said to him like, Rob, I, 
come show me this thing. Like I'm blown away. So he actually showed me his file. He has wow. his whole file of his inputs. He's put it in. There's like, he does like 20. Did I work out today? How many drinks did I have today? Uh, what's my connection with my wife? How many hours I spent? Like all these inputs and then that wow. information gives him enough to start adjusting his life. It's crazy. It's wild. And he has, like I talked about business planning. I was like, do you have a one, three, five year plan? He's like, no, I have a 500 year plan. I was like, wait, what? So every <laughs> quarter he updates his business plans, okay. but it's his life plans. I was like, so what the hell you got in 500 years? He goes, well, I'm planning to build enough wealth and then creating this system of happiness that when you are born a deer dick in 20, 40, 60, 80, 120 years from now, you have the resources and you have the tools not to have generational wealth, not to have all this money, but to know that when you're born a deer deck, you have a perfect system, or at least a good one, to just find overall happiness in life. And I was like, wow, Jesus. Yeah, wow. Crazy. I'm blown away. Crazy. Okay, I got to try and see if I, if I can get him on the pod. I don't have as many followers as you do, but wow. I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. And I'm definitely going to listen go. to that episode. And the best thing you can do to replicate it, just start putting down your happiness one through 10. And then try and yeah. see what, what changes that. And you'll learn a lot. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that with us. Cause that is really freaking cool. Um, okay. So how is, I, I mean, everyone's going to want to know how's the wedding planning going? <laughs> we have no update at this point. Guess what? No Neither update, do I. When we have an update, I always say the people that will, that are following will be the first to know. I'm trying to plan a wedding over here too. And it is, it's a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into it. hundred percent. Yeah. And like contract negotiations and back and forths and like, all of my friends are like, do you have a date yet? Do you have a date yet? Do you have this? Do you have, and I'm like, honestly, like, it'll just happen. Just, like, <laughs> I will let you know when we figure it out. But I'm like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, yeah, it's mom, it's a dad, brother, job. sister, podcaster, friends, family. I promise when we know we will let you know. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I was particularly really, uh, I like was so obsessed with watching the dancing with the stars unfolding, uh, particularly because you were not able to be there in studio, but like watching all the content unfold of you supporting Caitlin on dancing with the stars and like the videos that you created and the reels that you created and how you were her biggest cheerleader throughout the entire process was like, the coolest freaking thing to like have a sideline view to it was like a separate sh like show in and of itself to watch all of that um for those of you who don't know she did win the mirror ball um and this was has been a few years ago now but what do you think that the biggest contributing factors are to creating a successful harmonious relationship with your partner are ooh that's a good one um i think communication is massive um i think trust is so important like if you don't feel like you can trust someone or you're not in a safe place you can't uh be vulnerable and openly communicate and i think just like uh really understanding expectations for one another as opposed to like all the other expectations people put in place for you is huge and then I think the big thing is like really truly understanding and talking through like what drives happiness in your life. Back to the deer deck model, like what makes me happy might be different than what makes her happy and what makes her happy is different than what makes me happy. And truly understanding that and giving a lot of attention to that, I think are really, really critical pieces. Yeah, I love that answer. Mm -hmm. Um I absolutely love that answer. I mean, you guys feel, seem, I love watching, you know, whenever you guys put stuff out there. Um, <laughs> and it just does seem like you guys have found like a good harmonious 
kind of connection. So Jack and Rose Halloween. Do you see that? That was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So final question I will ask you, which I end all of my podcasts with is what is the greatest piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Ooh, biggest piece and greatest piece of advice. It would be to stop worrying about what everyone else is, what everyone else thinks of you. Like you, you just won't find any success in life until you truly understand yourself to just the rock bottom, the bedrock of who you are as a person. And then once you understand that, you're going to be able to really like drill into who you are. And that's a part we've talked about Caitlin a good about this, this episode. Uh, that's exactly what she has done unbelievably. At a young age, she knew herself better than anyone. And as a result of that, knowing her better than anyone, she's able to work on herself and be the best version of her. Most people, and for me, I did it for like 30 years, go through life, only focus on what everyone else thinks. And as a result of that, they don't have a freaking clue about who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you can't be the best partner to your significant other. You can't be the best son or daughter to your parents. You can't be the best father to your father or mother to your kids. You can't be the best worker. You'll never achieve the pinnacle of anything unless you totally identified yourself and then can step into yourself in the best way possible. And so that is just really, really important because that like authentic, that special spice, that thing that makes you you, that will never be seen by anybody until you've seen it. You love yourself. You're able to work on yourself and you're able to drive that. Other than that, you're just going to be, like I said earlier, one of those ants from the plain level walking around and you'll go unnoticed and you're seeing your message won't get seen and your dreams won't become fulfilled. So just work on you and everything else will come. Mic drop moment. Thank you so much for being on. It was really, really such an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That is a wrap. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I was really, really excited to have Jason on the pod. Um, and he was kind of everything that I thought that he would be really down to earth guy. Um, I think what I feel like most inspired by from this episode is that, you know, the conversation around how he serendipitously ended up um, kind of ending on ending up on the show and how that really changed the trajectory of his entire life. And I find that to be so interesting because I feel like life presents us with these opportunities all of the time um, or every so often. And sometimes we go down those paths and sometimes we don't. But I think it's important to really explore what's possible to explore, you know, the opportunity that comes up that maybe you had never considered before or wasn't on your radar or wasn't something you were thinking about or pursuing or going after. Um, and just, uh, just seeing what comes, seeing what happens. Um, especially if that thing that kind of shows up feels a little strange, but there's something in like tugging on you to say, give this a shot, give this a try. You know, I feel like it's just really a reminder to listen to ourselves and to, you know, allow our intuition to be our guide. Uh, and I re that really stuck with me. And the other point that really stuck with me is the amount of years, because I, I never really thought about this before, um, but the amount of years that we spend as an adult, as opposed to our entire lives, right? So we think about 
you know, how long we get to be here on this earth. And we think about how many of those years are spent in our childhood adolescence and how many of those years are spent in college. And then how many of those years are spent as a retiree. Uh, and so it's that chunk in the middle. It's that, that part in the middle, that bit in the middle. And you think about how much time that bit actually is. And if you reverse engineer your life in such a way to think about that bit in the middle, man, I feel like it really kind of puts a fire under your ass to be like, try some things, do some things, go some places, like really, really live. And I don't know, I feel like as of late, that's kind of been a really big topic of conversation on this podcast is to just go all out when it comes to life. So that is a wrap for today's episode. Uh, please do me a favor. Do us a solid. Please follow us on Instagram at Very Best Self and follow the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us five stars and a review if you have like, you know, an extra, extra second. Um, it's, it's a huge help. And you can follow me on Instagram at Victoria Brown. And lastly, you can follow Jason, of course, at Jason underscore Tartik, T-A-R-T-I-C-K. Thank you guys so damn much. I will see you next week. Love you, mean it. VB out.